Welcome to the spirit world, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Well, hello there, and welcome to the spirit world. I am Debbie Giorgiani with Adam Bly, religious demonologist, and hopefully you. We are live today. I'm excited about this topic today, Adam, because I was at that cave 10 years ago, 10 years ago in 2013, and it was spectacular. It was, it was amazing. I have pictures of it and, you know, and doing the research for this particular broadcast, Adam, um, it brought back so many great memories. And I love St. Michael. We know our listeners love St. Michael. So if you have something to share, if you were at that cave in the, um, uh, Gargano uh, region of Italy, please. It's it's close to where uh, Padre Pio is, uh, San, San Giovanni Rotundo. Um, please share with us by calling this number. Anything about St. Michael, you're welcome to call in 877-757-9424. But Adam, we always begin with a real strong understanding and teaching on this so that our, our our listeners of the spirit world can be well formed in these wonderful aspects of our faith. Yeah, so I wanted to um, let let's just get oriented real quick. I wanted to start there. So Gargano is kind of a mountainous area on the eastern side of Italy. So if you if you look at Rome and you go due east from there, it'd be a four and a half hour drive about due east from Rome to the coast, and there's a mountainous region there. And it's and specifically the cave is about a 30-minute drive from where Padre Pio lived and where his body can be visited today. So the history of the cave, how did it come to be? The cave was a site of pagan worship back in the Greek and Roman times. And um, the stories about the cave and how it came to be, they're recorded about three times in the history of the church, in the 9th century, the 17th century, and also in the Middle Ages. And when all this happened uh, was around 490, but we're not exactly sure when, but around 490, there was, there was a, a wealthy man who had a herd of animals. His name was Elvo Emmanuel, and a bull from his herd had wandered away into the hills, okay? And, you know, animals are valuable, and he's looking for it, and he has, he has servants with him. And they find the bull stuck in the entrance to this cave. Now, people knew it was a cave where people historically had, had done pagan worship, and here's, here's the bull. So he's frustrated with the bull for having done that, and he goes to punish it. He, he has an arrow shot at the bull for some reason, and something strange happens. The arrow doesn't hit the bull, and it comes back, and it hits the person that shot the arrow. We're not sure if it was him or one of his servants. So this is very odd to him, and he actually goes to the local bishop, and he says, you know, this very strange thing happened today. I'm not sure what it means, but it was so unusual. I think it was a miracle. And maybe it means God was upset about something, that this was kind of a punishment because somebody got hurt. And so the bishop basically 
um, has a number of days of prayer and penance there at the entrance to the cave, assuming that God was displeased about something. And at the end of these three days of prayer and penance, Michael actually appears to the bishop. This is the first time he actually appears related to the cave. And the bishop sees him. It's not in a dream. He's awake. And he says a few things. He says, yes, I did that. He then clearly says he is Michael the Archangel. He identifies himself. And then he explains, I will this place, this cave, to be holy, and I personally will watch over it. And so I demonstrated my intent to make this place holy and to protect it by doing this action that you're, that this person saw, uh, not being able to harm an animal. And it's interesting, Deb, perhaps um, this is a reference to God not wanting the sacrifice of animals, which had probably gone on there in forms of pagan worship. And we know that after the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, there's no longer sacrifice of animals. So perhaps there's a connection there. That's just my own my own thought on it. So after Michael appears to the bishop, they then do more prayer and they have a procession uh, outside of the cave. Now, two years later, there's a barbarian army, a pagan army attacking the Christians in that region. And the Christians get fairly badly defeated. So uh, the barbarians are doing well. And people, of course, remember, because it hasn't been very long, about Michael appearing to the bishop related to this cave. And so they go to the cave and they're basically asking Michael to help them. And so, uh, again, the bishop is leading prayers and penance and, and, and a procession. Uh, appealing to Michael and asking him if they would help them in this attack from the barbarians because they're all worried, you know, they're going to get pushed out of the region and and more people are going to die. So Michael appears to the bishop and he says, I will help you, but under this condition, you have to bravely attack them, even though they they outnumber you, they've already defeated you in battle, you need to be assertive and have faith and attack them. And so they, they decide to. And it turns out they didn't even need to fight because by making that act of faith and that act of faith in God and following Michael's direction, uh, Michael apparently created a storm of sand and hail that was so strong and so rough that the barbarian army was terrified and fled. They didn't even actually have to fight. And, you know, by the way, Deb, we may talk about this in future episodes, but this theme has happened before with Michael when he has defended Christian nations. Uh, Armies end up not having to fight at all because he just overwhelms the situation. So they basically are saved by Michael's intervention. And the bishop does a procession of thanks at the cave. But, you know, at this point, the cave is not a church yet. It's just a place that Michael has said he wants to be holy, and it's a place that he's told the bishops, you know, this is mine. So they do a procession there, but the bishop actually hasn't formally said, this is Christian, this is ours, you know, it's a church, it's under my authority. He hasn't done that because there was still some local people that were pagans and were engaging in pagan worship there. And kind of politically, it would have been a difficult thing to do, and he didn't necessarily want to start trouble in his diocese Uh, unless he was sure that that's what he should be doing. So he asked the Pope for some advice on this after all this went down. And the Pope said, yes, make it a church. And so the bishop goes and he goes to consecrate it. There's a right of consecrating a building after it's built that's intended to be a church that essentially spiritually makes it a church. Well, the bishop goes to start doing this right of of the church to make this cave into a Catholic church. And Michael basically appears to them to him and says, 
you don't need to do the consecration. My presence has already consecrated it and made it a church. And so heaven had already made the cave a Catholic Christian church. And so uh, basically they then set up, you know, an altar. They set up the pews. They, they clear it out. And at the, at the front part of the cave is now a church, which you, Deb, got to see. I've not yet been there. I hope to go there someday. But this was on September 29th of the year 493 is when it was actually made into a Catholic church. Now, once that was done, you know, the, the stories of the cave, the stories of Michael, uh, the stories of his intervention with the army, all of these things were floating around. And once it was formally made a church, it became very famous very quickly. And it actually became one of the four major pilgrimage sites in all of Europe. And to this day, as you mentioned at the beginning, a lot of people make a pilgrimage to go there. Okay, so... A few people famously are connected with the story of the cave. Uh, one is St. Francis. He lived in the late 1100s to the early 1200s. He made a pilgrimage to the cave, as many people did. But St. Francis felt unworthy to enter, so he prayed at the entrance of the cave for 30 days and fasted and then uh, departed, but he didn't feel worthy to enter a cave where Michael uh, was so directly present. And then later, St. Padre Pio, as you mentioned, uh, lived nearby. He used to send people to the cave that needed deliverance from evil spirits, and basically uh, being in the cave and having St. Michael do it would free them. Okay, so that's really the history of it, but what about the stones? A lot of people uh, have heard of these stones of the St. Michael cave. And they're a little white stone usually and a little teca, which is that you know, metal container for relics with a glass window on it. Uh, these are around, they're fairly common amongst uh, the Catholic community. Now, where did the idea of the stones come from? Well, there was a plague in Naples in that region in 1656 to 1658, and it was a really rough plague. This plague killed more than a million people. And if we think, you know, we need to realize and think back, population density isn't what it, what it is today. That was a lot of people. That was a significant portion of the population had died in that region. And the bishop asked for help from St. Michael. And I want to get to what St. Michael did for them mm -hmm. related to the stones when we come back. This is so exciting, bringing back great memories from 10 years ago when I made a pilgrimage right to that area of Italy. Wow, this is amazing. If you have something to share about St. Michael or you made that same pilgrimage around San Giovanni Rotondo, please call us, tell us what it was like and what you experienced here on The Spirit World. The number to dial is 877-757-9424. You'll speak to Carol Herrera. She is delightful to talk to. And Lori as well. And Tim, maybe. We got the whole team here. Taylor Van Est is our producer doing a great job. And we'll be right back. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. 
But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and to create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. A while back, I had a nice little chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they tried to justify their claim to be Christian by saying the early Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. Is this true? Well, of course not. Let me share a few examples. Take John 1.1, where John describes Jesus as the Word and writes the Word was God. Now, in order to get around this, the JWs translate the phrase as the Word was a God. But this is based on a misunderstanding of Greek grammar. Consider also Colossians 2.9, where St. Paul writes, For in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In 1 Corinthians 8.6, Paul describes Jesus as the one through whom we exist. Isn't God the one ultimately responsible for the existence of things? So, contrary to what the JWs think, to be Christian, you must believe Jesus is God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. When heaven made a church, the St. Michael Cave in Gargano, Italy. That's what we're talking about today on The Spirit World. And Adam, you can't leave us in suspense any longer. Pick up where you left off because, you know, we have to hit that pause button um, every now and then. Uh, but we do have calls coming in. So if you'd like to join that growing list of callers of the spirit world, uh, now's the time to dial in if you want to get in on this very quick hour that we get to spend with each other every Saturday. 877-757-9424. Okay, Adam. Okay, so we had talked about how the, the cave was turned into a church September 29th of 493 after Michael had appeared to a bishop uh, and then saved a, an army from an invading um, uh, barbarian army of the Christians. And then about a thousand years later, okay, so all this happens, it becomes a church and Michael made it a church. He said, you don't need to consecrate it. I've already done that by my presence. So it's, it's well known. It becomes a pilgrimage site for a long time. A thousand years later, there's a major plague. Over a million people died in Naples, Italy, in that region. Knowing the legends of the cave, the bishop and the people asked Michael for help yet again. He did appear after fervent prayer and told the bishop that he, here's the promise. He told the bishop, the stones from the cave, if they are kept in the homes of the people reverently and the people pray fervently, they will be protected from the plague. And this, in fact, worked. And it was so moving to the people and the bishop that the bishop put up a statue of Michael at his residence with the title on it, Prince of the Angels, Conqueror of the Plague. Uh, 
Okay, so we see that the stones originally, the promise connected with them from Michael directly was protection from the plague, protection from illness, but specifically that plague. Now, remember I mentioned that Padre Pio used to send people to the cave if they needed deliverance from evil spirits. Mm-hmm. That is probably what got conflated or connected with the stones and the idea that the idea that the stones would free you uh, from evil spirits. It probably got connected with that. But as far as I can tell in the history, and I could be wrong, but in my research, the specific thing that Michael said was connected with the plague. Now, it's possible uh, that that was said and, and that it wasn't recorded because it is a common kind of uh, traditional belief in the church that these stones are connected with deliverance from demons. And certainly the cave itself is. There's no question about that. Okay. So uh, that's the history of the cave and the stones. And by the way, for the people that are interested in these stones, uh, if you find the website for the cave, which is uh, the cave is now in the custody of a Polish order of priests, uh, on there you can make a request for a stone. I think it's something like 20 euros for the cost of the teka and the mailing and the handling and all of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can take some time to get them, but it is possible to make a request uh, for these stones for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, just a, a few personal things, because I see people are calling. Go ahead, Deborah. Right. Well, Adam, real quickly, I just want to comment on that. There's also um, some sites in um, St. Michael um, Apostolates that are in the U.S. that you can request the stones as well. I understand they're on back order. Um, uh, there is a disclaimer there that says when the stone, even though, um, you know, St. Michael himself consecrated this, this cave, this chapel, um, the stones are not blessed by a priest when you get them. So you should have them blessed. Um, and they come, um, you know, you can order also the certificate with it to make sure that it's authentic. Uh, right. so there are some of those places in the U S and I know cause sometimes people are hesitant to order, um, internationally because they're not sure how to do, um, you know, how to, how to, you know, send payment and if they're going to get actual right. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, a lot of exorcists do use these stones in ministry. We've used them many times here in my diocese, and I, I've known other exorcists that have used them. Um, you know, I've applied them to possess people during exorcisms many times. We, we typically have a whole range of first-class relics that are kind of set off to the side during exorcisms, depending on what spirit you're dealing with. Uh, you may pick up a particular saint. And I can just tell you, Deb, from experience, the St. Michael stones cause a similar reaction to a first-class relic of a saint. So it's not that it instantly cures possession. Uh, It has a similar effect of a first-class relic. Okay. Uh, Well, can I interrupt you right there? I want to stop you there because of my understanding of... um the holy angels and the study that I've done on the holy angels, when you've got these demons who are, who are fallen angels, right? Mm -hmm. Of course they would have a, a, an immediate resistance going up against St. Michael because you're talking, it's the same, it's the same, uh, makeup, uh, you know, angel to angel. Do you, you know what I'm saying? So, so wouldn't there naturally be whenever St. Michael is involved, a natural, you know, quick, aversion to it because the it, it's it's the same it's the same structure of being right the yeah. internal structure yeah right but but certainly michael's on a higher level than the demons for two Absolutely. reasons yeah. he didn't fall mm-hmm. uh and then secondly he's the the leader of all of the holy angels like 
Um, we also use icons, Deb, in exorcisms, and the theology of icons is there a window to the, to the what they depict, the, right. to the spiritual reality, what they depict. Many times I've seen demons address St. Michael as if they're speaking to him face-to-face when looking at an icon of yeah, Michael. Yeah, but isn't that because they also can relate because they're so close, you know, because of the way they were um, created by God? I mean, so that's that's yes. that's a good that's a really good point, Adam. So so Saint Michael's presence even has a it has a very strong reaction, obviously. Well, sure. Let me give you a quick example from yesterday. Um, we were doing a number of exorcisms, and you know, for people that don't know, again, I'm a lay person. I'm not an exorcist. I'm not a priest, but I've trained exorcists for over 15 years for the church. Um, we had a very uh, particularly difficult demon yesterday in one of the cases. It's one of the higher ranked ones from from hell. And, you know, it was a long kind of drawn out um, conflict with that particular spirit. And towards the end, um, he basically, we had an icon of St. Michael off to the side. And the demons, they don't tell you things directly. They tell you things indirectly because Mm -hmm. they're demons and they can't speak plainly. But towards the end of it, he started mocking St. Michael. It was his way of saying St. Michael's important in this situation. And so by mocking him, because he's a demon, it's uh, they usually don't show respect. I went over and I got the icon of Michael, and I was standing behind the person. They were sitting in a chair, and I just lowered it down so it was right in front of their face, like a foot in front of them, so the demon was forced to look at it. And immediately it went from mockery to shuddering, and he said, I surrender, I surrender and came out of the person, and the person slumped forward, and the spirit was out. So when it comes to the conflict with him, don't don't think that they're on a similar level of power or authority. Right. Michael utterly defeated them before, utterly defeated their boss, Satan. Mm-hmm. And when, he, when they're actually confronted with him directly, um, it's with fear and trembling. Like, I've, I've heard them say things like the demons, I mean. I've heard them say St. Michael, the greatest of the angels. St. Mm-hmm. Michael, the largest of the angels. Um, I've heard them say, St. Michael, I fear him. Um, many, many kind of references whenever he's near them in some way. Um, it, it's with great deference. Mm-hmm. And and real quickly, on that same, in that same line of thinking there of, of uh, talking about the, the angels and how they were created by God, your in- encounters or your understanding of St. Michael um, you have shared with me in the past that he is he's he's very regimented he's very he's very strict he's very strong he's you know it's by the book um can you share a little bit about that because i think that's important you know this whole entire broadcast is about saint michael and we want our listeners to walk away with a with a a very healthy understanding and respect for for the great um saint michael yeah so you know, I, I've known people that have had a deep relationship with Michael and a, and a great devotion to him. Uh, I know one deacon, I w- don't, don't want to give his name, but he has blogged about some of this. Um, St. Michael has saved his life uh, in his previous career before he became a deacon um, wow. at least two times that I recall mm-hmm. in very dramatic ways. No question, they were miraculous. But, you know, on the other side of it, he said with his devotion to Michael, that's so deep that led to Michael's intervention and saving his life he said also when he would fall to sin he felt a very strong sense of i must get to a priest immediately this is not something i wait till confession is scheduled he had a sense of displeasure that what he had done was sinful and it was not regarded 
in any way as okay. And he was on the phone finding a priest and saying, you know, I need to come over. You need to hear my confession right away. Mm -hmm. Because there's a sense of you toe the line, you do your work, and if you mess up, you, you get that confessed and absolved, and then you get back to work. Um, Michael has a sense of, of being a director of things. No um, nonsense, right? No nonsense and a very authoritative, uh, strong. He is loving, but he is an authoritative and strong um, patron. And so it, it's basically, you know, if you're going to enter into a deep relationship with him, you're going you're gonna to be living a strict Christian life. Mm -hmm. Wow powerful. Okay, we do have calls coming in. Um, and Adam, we're gonna we're going to take a short uh, break in just a moment. Um, we, but I know you want more, you want more time to share with our listeners about St. Michael and the cave and the consecration and also how it relates to, um, you know, the exorcism ministry that you work in on a regular basis and how actually you credit St. Michael for um, a couple of these uh, encounters that that really saved a lot of people. So it's very interesting. We'll be talking about that. But if you'd like to jump in, there is an open phone line for you. So if you f feel prompted by the Spirit to talk about St. Michael, if you visited the cave, please call us now. Don't wait any longer. We like to get to all the calls in this very quick hour we get to spend with one another. 877 757-9424. Again, thank you uh, so much to the team, Tim and Carol and Lori. You're doing a great job answering phones. And of course, Taylor, um, our producer, is uh, um, making us sound, I think, really good today, Adam. So that's wonderful. But Adam, anything else you'd like to share? Um, we just got about two minutes and then we'll get to Vincent on the other side of the break. I wanted to share something for our priests that might be listening. Um, when, if you're feeling particularly, particularly uh, tempted or perhaps spiritually attacked, a good prayer to remember is simply St. Michael, defend the priesthood. Uh, even if it's just said in, interiorly, uh, Michael is very present and eager and willing to defend the priesthood. And we've learned this through the exorcism ministry where, you know, the, the, um, the threat is a little more physical and direct. But even in those situations where an exorcist has been attacked during an exorcism, uh, that simple prayer, St. Michael defend the priesthood, has caused an immediate shutdown of the attack and an immediate intervention that kept everybody safe. And so I just encourage our priests to remember that. That was excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And I, we do have a lot of, of our clergy listening to the spirit world. So thank you, Adam, for that. Okay, coming up will be Vincent and the others. Uh, Vincent will get us started here on the spirit world. If you'd like to join this growing list of calls coming in, now is the time to do it. This is probably the last time I'm going to say this. Now's the time. Don't wait any longer. 877-757-9424. Or you can like us on Facebook and leave, leave your comment or question there at the spirit world podcast please though call us we'd like to hear your your bright and shining voice today on the spirit world we'll be right back have you heard about life coaching hi this is coach felicity with your stand tall today coaching minute coaching is one of the things jesus did with his disciples whenever they were stuck overwhelmed or even struggling a bit Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. 
Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. If you're looking for a gift to give your spouse that's not fattening or expensive, listen in. This is one of the most precious things you have, but you can give it to them every day. Do you know what it is? Your time. Do you have time every day where you and your spouse check in and connect together? If you don't, start brainstorming right now about when you can fit it in. Maybe when you both arrive home, you can take a few minutes to step in private just to ask how our day was. Maybe it's getting a few minutes earlier in the morning to make coffee together. It doesn't need to be long, but it does need to happen every day. If you and your spouse are ships passing in the night during a busy season of life, take at least five minutes alone to hug, talk, check in, and connect. A successful marriage is made up of little things like this. Commit to having a daily connection with your spouse. It may turn out to be the most important gift you've ever given. To find out more about connecting with your spouse, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. We'll get to Vincent in just a moment. I want Adam to share this very interesting story about the exorcist and the earthquake that happened in Italy where St. Michael where you credit St. Michael for being involved. So Adam, why don't you share a little bit about that and then we'll go right to Vincent from Maryland, okay? Sure. So this is something I shared a little, uh, most of this story in the book on miracles. Um, So we have these conferences uh, over in Italy, every other year, the International Association of Exorcists and and been going to those for, for quite a while. We had a pause with the pandemic, of course. So a few years back, we were in in the midst of one of these conferences, and there's a lot of adoration, there's a lot of prayer time, uh, there's a lot of masses. Um, it's a very spiritual conference in addition to the to the material. One evening we were in church, and and this is at a private retreat center outside of Rome, um, in a church that's essentially a concrete dome over over the church, and there's about 150 exorcists from all over the world there, and a few lay people that are members. And we were kneeling uh, during adoration. So the monstrance was on the altar and next to the altar, uh, this is um, uh, always present at these conferences, the statue of St. Michael from the cave in Gargano is brought over during the week that we have these conferences. And that's that's been the case for quite some time. So next to the altar was this gorgeous statue of St. Michael. It's exquisite kind of Renaissance um, you know, level of artwork. So we had been kneeling on on the floor and praying for a while. 
and the room started to shake. Um, so I had never been in an earthquake before, but basically things were moving left and right, felt like about an inch uh, under you, and the lights started to swing. Um, you know, um, it was not a major earthquake in the sense of, you know, the building fell over immediately, but the room was moving and the lights were swinging. And I looked to my left and my right, and, you know, I'm in this group of, of a big portion of the exorcists in the world. Deb, it was really beautiful because, you know, what enters your mind is like, run, you know, get out of the building. Um, you're in an earthquake. Nobody got up. Not a single person in the room got off their knees. We all just kept praying um, and, and focusing on our Lord in the Eucharist. And after about 20, 30 seconds, which seems like a long time when an earthquake is happening, uh, the motion subsided and we continued the hour of, of adoration without inter interruption. Wow. And I'll never, I'll never forget that because mm -hmm. um, it, it felt like, it felt like an opportunity to trust God mm -hmm. um, and also an opportunity to, you know, ask Michael for his intervention ask our Lord for the intervention for everybody to stay safe. But the fact that nobody got up was, was pretty beautiful. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that, that I haven't been to the cave yet. I will someday, God willing. Uh, but the statue from the cave came and uh, in a sense was part of what saved us uh, from an earthquake. So Amazing. Amazing. That's St. Michael, the Archangel. Okay. So let's go to Vincent uh, in Rockville, Maryland on Guadalupe radio network has been waiting so patiently and is first up here on The Spirit World. Welcome, Vincent. Hi, thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you for calling, and thank you for waiting. You are so patient. I hope you could hear the show as you were waiting. Yes, I could. Thank you. Good, good. So tell us, what, what, what about St. Michael? Were you at the cave, too? Yeah, my wife, my wife and I went uh, this year. Uh, we celebrated uh, uh, Holy Week or in, in Italy on pilgrimage, and on Holy Thursday, we went to the cave. Um, uh, it was really uh, spectacular. Mm, beautiful. You know what? I want to share something, Vincent, because you just um, uh, sparked something in my, in my brain here because I think it's important. And tell me what you feel about this. I was at the cave 10 years ago. It was an amazing pilgrimage. I, re I recommended to so many uh, folks of Southern Italy to go to the incorrupt body, uh, view the incorrupt body of, of uh, Padre Pio, and then, and then go to the cave and other, there's other areas, um, Assisi and the Eucharistic miracles, all in that area, uh, that region of Italy. Um, but Vincent, when we went on pilgrimage, okay, we were handed a lot of flyers, a lot of information ahead of time. But many of us were so excited about packing and going to Italy and, and seeing all these, these wonderful sacred sites. We didn't do the research. So I was at that cave and I remember feeling like, wow, this is incredible. I need to know more about this. I should have done my research ahead of time. Did you and your wife do that before you went on pilgrimage? And I would suggest that for all pilgrims, please do the research on all the sacred sites you are going to see ahead of time so that you can it really take in the whole experience, not just be kind of uh, overstimulated with this quick, like, okay, you've got 30 minutes at this cave, now let's move on to the next site. What would you say to that, Vincent? Well, it's a great question, Debbie. We, we, my wife and I plan our own pilgrimages when we, when we do this. So we prepare ahead of time. We learn about the sites. We do this ourselves using Google Maps uh, to take us around. Our, when we were planning to go to Gargano, it was the, the morning after we arrived in San Giovanni Rotunda, 
But before we went to see Padre Pio, we wanted to do as he suggested: go go up to the uh, uh, Gargano and 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 ask Saint Michael for protection, so that we don't sin any longer or any more, and just give us help and guidance along the way. Uh, and so after we did that, uh, we experienced quite quite great peace. Uh, and then, and then we we were fortunate to get some holy water, and we went to their little shop there afterwards. But um, we we went back to San Giovanni and met Padre Pio, uh, of course. And then mm-hmm. we spent holy that was Holy Thursday, and then we did the mass there at the um, at the church in San Giovanni. But uh, it was really a very a very special location of where Gargano is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vincent. You know, there, there's so many roles that St. Michael has for us, um, different roles, you know, being the protector of the Jewish people, being the protector of the church, um, you know, escorting us in a sense, being part of the, the journey to Jesus when we when we die and we are immediately before Jesus in our particular judgment. He has a role of, of taking the Christians, you know, it's a timeless event, but he has a role in that transition Um and and he has a role of intervention, you know, for for police, for military, for firefighters, uh, for anybody that that's dealing with conflict. There's just so many, um, and being the director of so many angels, um, you know, not only his direct intervention but the intervention of of the angels under him. Uh, it's beautiful that you were asking for the ability or the grace. I shouldn't say not the ability, the grace to not sin anymore. And and I would I would encourage people if you if you're struggling with a particular sin in a particular kind of category of sin or one of the Ten Commandments, research a saint whose virtue is the opposite of that sin. Uh, we see this a lot in the exorcism world when a person has let a demon in. Now, I'm not saying all sin lets a demon in, but when a possessed person has let a particular demon in due to a sin, uh, we look for the saint whose virtue opposes that particular sin. And so if it's St. Michael, if there's something that you find relatable in terms of what you're struggling with, turn to him. If there's other saints whose famous virtue opposes the sin that you're wrestling with, ask for their patronage and their prayers before God for you to receive that grace. Um, The great thing about Michael, if, if you like Michael and want to dive more deeply, is he's a generalist in the sense that because he has so many titles, he can help us with anything that we're looking for. So if, if we don't know a lot about the saints yet, he's a good place to start. Similar to Mary, Queen of All Saints, she can intervene for us about anything that we're working on. And of course, our Lord Jesus Christ is a source of all of these graces. You know, Mary mediates them, but Jesus created Michael. Um, he is the source and font of, of all grace. And so, of course, we can go to him, but he provides these other figures for us. Um, that can also be helpful for us being able to relate to heaven. Beautifully said. Vincent, I have a question for you. Do you and your wife have some of the stones from the cave? No, we don't. Yeah, I don't either. I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out about that. So I'm gonna I'm going to research it and try. I've been bugging Adam, but he he won't um, 
um, give any of the stones <laughs> that he uses for the exorcism ministry. So, so, uh, but uh, Vincent, yeah, it's exciting. You know, doesn't it, when you do, when we do shows like this, doesn't it really uh, change and deepen the way uh, we have experienced things? Cause you were there, you and your wife were there, you, and you, and you viewed um, the incorrupt body of, of, of Padre Pio. So did I, I mean, now when we're talking about it, it takes us back there and it's really, you know, very, very spiritually deep. Any, any last comments, Vincent? Cause you just were on pilgrimage. Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, all the pilgrimages we've done have made a, a change to us um, in, in our lives. It's just like you can't go back after you, you see these things or experience them, um, you know, whether, whether, whether you have a sense of peace or whatever you get from those pilgrimages. For us, mm-hmm. uh, we've had different, different um, experiences, and yeah, we just— it's just very different. So when I got the text, you know, have you been there? I wasn't listening to the show at first. So then I, 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 I dialed into the show on EWTN app and, um, nice. uh, really, you know, it's really great to, that, that you're talking about this, uh, because yeah. it's really quite a lot of blessings out there for all of us. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of it. It's, uh, you know, this is waiting for all of us. We just have to tap in. We just have to connect. And so I love that. And I thank you uh, so very much. Um, Adam and I thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. We hope, we hope you and your wife continue to listen to the spirit world because we've got more shows like this coming up uh, for the rest of the year. So thank you, Vincent. God bless you. Have a beautiful and blessed weekend. Thank you. God bless you both. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, Adam, see, I love, I love calls like that when, you know, and they just got off a pilgrimage. So, you know, he has a, an experience that is very fresh in his mind. Mine's 10 years ago, but I still feel like, you know, I can still sense the cave was so, it was so cool too. I mean, temperature wise, I loved that. And, 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 and it would just, it just felt different from any other sacred site. So it, it's so obvious that St. Michael definitely consecrated, uh, this, this, um, this church. Um, Stephanie is up next. Let's go to Stephanie in Houston, Texas, also listening on Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the spirit world. Hi. Thank you for uh, taking my call. I have posted on your Facebook page and one said, call into the show. And I said, okay, I will. <laughs> Good. Um, thank you. So um, thank you for your show. Um, I have a special connection with St. Michael in the sense that I used to be a parishioner of St. Michael's Church here in Houston, and I had, back in, I, I went to school with a, an Australian and uh, back in the 90s, and we kept in touch. He moved back to Australia, and we were friends. He joined the Australian Air Force, and he was in Iraq in 2005. So I mailed him a St. Michael's prayer card while he was serving um, in the war. And he comes from an agnostic family. He had never been baptized, never, the only time he had ever stepped into church was when um, he would go with me as a teenager. And um, as soon as he came back from uh, the war, uh, we, by the time he came out, we were boyfriend and girlfriends, and before we knew it, we got married <coughs> at St. Michael's Church, and he converted in 2010, 
and chose his name, St. Michael's, his um, confirmation name. And my daughter, or our daughter, was baptized at St. Michael's Church. So, um, it, you know, we our life hasn't been perfect. We've had ups and downs, and he has, um, you know, we're now living in, in America, but whenever I have moments or we have moments of, um, of you know, despair or something, we, we just remember how much St. Michael means to us and how he fights our battles for us. Stephanie, that's that's wonderful. What a wonderful what a wonderful story. Um, it sounds like he's really kind of taken your family under his patronage. Um, that's that's great. And uh, there there are so many so many men and women. You know, when we're confronted with the loss of control, when we're confronted with war or things that threaten our lives, and we realize we don't have complete control. A lot of times that causes us to turn to God. You know, that, that old joke, there's no atheists in, in foxholes. Um, yeah. It's it's really where the rubber meets the road when you're facing mortality. And the fact that he received grace from Michael um, in, in probably, you know, I don't know what he faced, but in those moments he received grace from Michael. And he probably uh, saw other men and women uh, relating with Michael and perhaps having a medal or, or saying the prayers. So... You know, I would just, I would run with that. I would follow what God's doing. Uh, God has shown you some signs there that, that there's a particular grace uh, through St. Michael the Archangel for, for him and for your family. And yeah, life isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be perfect um, after we convert. The Christian life is hard, but Michael is a great patron to help us through that journey. And Stephanie, yeah. I, I love your story as well. I just think it's so wonderful that St. Michael is close to you and, and your uh, family. I think it's beautiful. God bless you, um, you know, for, for bringing him in. Yeah, bringing him into the circle and, and letting him, you know, do his his work that God has created him to do. And I, I've, I've said this many times with the angels. You know, we, we accept the angels. Um, it's, a, it's a truth of our faith. It, it goes across um, all denominations, all, all uh, faith traditions, angels are accepted, but yet we kind of put them on the shelf somewhere in this cute little cherub form of figurines. And that's <laughs> not, right, Stephanie? That's not who they are and what they were created to do. And in, in your story, you, you have demonstrated that St. Michael is, is much more than that. Yes, he is. We, mm-hmm. We're so blessed to have this faith. Yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Stephanie. Thank you for sharing with us today. Yes. And thank you for liking us. Okay, you too. And thanks. Thanks for liking us on Facebook, too. And the way Stephanie did that, she went to Facebook at the Spirit World podcast. And you can do the same. Join the the group there. Um, We're getting a lot of um, comments coming in of how to get the St. Michael stones. And um, there are a couple apostolates in the U.S., and there's uh, many internationally. You can probably reach out right to uh, Gargano, Italy, um, to the cave. Um, and, and like you said, um, Adam, th- those that are, mo- that are um, overseeing um, the cave and keeping it you know, safe and, and preserved, um, you can probably reach out internationally. I can share a site that I found online, and, and um, that is it, uh, a St. Michael... Uh, group, um, but the stones are out of stock. 
um, as of yesterday. They're still they're still trying to um, get them shipped from Italy to the U.S. So just want to let people know that um, this is. Uh, you know, we're bringing attention to this and others are doing the same thing with St. Michael. And so, of course, when you do that, when you bring media attention, everybody rushes and orders what they can. Um, so I know that also the the St. Michael, Michael scapulars are flying off the shelves as well and devotions to St. Michael's, uh, to St. Michael. Um, I, I understand that gift shops from around the country um, are being, um, you know, p- calls are coming in. Why do we think that, Adam? Um, I personally believe that it's because people are starting to recognize that evil is in plain sight. And so St. Michael is is the defender, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the St. Benedict medal is probably, at least anecdotally, I've heard, you know, the most popular Catholic medal um, because it's associated with, with fighting evil um, mm-hmm. and, you know, has an exorcism on the back of the medal. Uh, that's what those letters are. And and St. Michael, in a similar way, you know, when we when we see evil more manifest in the world, uh, we, we tend to turn to these figures. And of course, he's associated with defeating the devil. So um, that's that's where that that devotion is is going to, I think, mm-hmm. become very popular. Right. So, yeah, you know, you have to be patient sometimes in, in seeking out those stones. Um, but, you know, just give it time. And remember, don't turn the stone into an idol. Don't think it's a superstitious, magical object that's going to protect you. Uh, just like everything else in the church, it's related to the faith with, with which you use it. When it comes to a sacramental, it's related to the faith which, with, with which you use it. And so we don't want to turn that into an idol and say the stone is the thing that is protecting me. We, mm-hmm. It is a reminder of Michael. It has been blessed, in a sense, by him uh, as part of that consecrated church. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want to, like, turn it into magic. Right. And um, the the name of the site now, folks. I have not checked this site out, but I do know that this is the one that has the uh, the the stones that can get shipped here from Italy, and you can get the certificate if you want to pay extra for it. The the stones are not blessed by a priest, so you have to have them blessed. You go to Saint Michael the Archangel US. Okay, I and again, the, it's, it shows right on the uh, homepage. The the items are out of stock. They're trying to get them shipped from Italy, and they'll keep us posted. I'm going to actually contact them after the show. Um, so I'm just, that's my disclaimer. I have not checked out this, this uh, organization, but it, it's looking like it's, um, it's authentic and they've been in business for quite some time. So I just want to make sure we get that out there so that you don't um, start sending us a ton of emails that we have to respond to. Okay. I'm trying to keep our weekend workload down. Um, so Adam, let's go to Jack and Jack is, is near Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, Jack, Jack is listening online. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the Spirit World. Hello. How you doing? Doing well. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing okay. I always keep the Lord with me, and yeah, I go to uh, hospitals, and um, I'm an extra uh, ordinary communion distributor. And uh, some of the places I go to have the uh, behavioral and the CTER behavioral. Mm-hmm. And I deal with things there that uh, that a lot of people do, wouldn't want to deal with. So, yeah, that's really I was wanting to get one of those stones mm-hmm. just to keep it here with me. And I know I, my baptismal name was St. Michael, uh, or I should say my confirmation name. So I, I do pray to St. Michael every day. So... 
And I just thought I'd try to get one of those stones just to have it here at the house. Mm -hmm. Because we do have certain attacks because I do do what I do. Sure. You're in ministry, so you're, you're, encounter, you're out in the, in the community. Absolutely, sir. What do you say to that, Adam? I think it's a great idea. I plan on getting, you know, if they can get them shipped here from Italy, I plan on getting uh, stones as well. So what do you say to that, Adam? No, I don't have a computer or anything. Okay. Well, um, yeah, we'd have to figure that out, Jack, in terms of a phone number for you. Um, maybe we can post something on Facebook later about that. We'd have to do a little research and see. Uh, you may have to write to them. Oh, you don't? Um, well, mm-hmm. well, maybe, Jack, why don't you, uh, when we get off, why don't you stay on the line, talk to the call screener, mm-hmm. and give them your your phone number, and we'll try to research that, and then we'll contact you later, Okay. Does that sound good, Jack? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? You can actually call this one place. So what we'll do, we'll do the research uh, this weekend, Jack, and find out for, for you and the other Spirit World listeners. Because All right. That's fine. I, yeah, I agree with you. And as a matter of fact, it'll give a, a nice um, shout out to all of us here that are on the Spirit World. I'm sure this apostolate will be grateful um, that we did this show today. So, But Jack, I agree. What do you think, Adam, about Jack having the, the stones, um, you know, either in his home or when he does do his ministry work? Yeah, I, I would say both. You know, the, the origin of the stone was that it was kept in the home along with prayer to protect against the plagues. So we can think of that in terms of the pandemic today or other illnesses, in terms of an extra appeal to God for protection against illness. So I would say keep it there. Take it with you if you feel moved to. You know, that's that's wonderful to take a piece of uh, of a church that St. Michael consecrated with you, especially, you know, you're, his pa- you're under his patronage because he was your confirmation name. So, um, but yeah, uh, be at peace, though. Of course, don't be anxious and, and think that you need that for your peace. Um, you know, God is always there and always with you, and, and sacramentals are great. They're great reminders, uh, and they do have power. Uh, just don't put undue focus on them. I know I'm, I'm harping on that, Deb, but mm-hmm. I'm always cautious about idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jack, so very much. Bob in Albany, New York, we're not going to get to you today, but we, because you can hear the music. Uh, thank you so much for the comment. If I can read uh, that, if it's okay, you said that Adam and Debbie are the best and doing the right show at the right time, doing a great job. Um, and the music sets the right tone. Well, you got to listen to it, Bob, as you were on hold. So thank you so much. If you'd like to call back on a f- on the uh, future mailbag show at the end of the month, we would definitely appreciate it. Thank you, Bob, for waiting and the others. Please like us on Facebook at The Spirit World Podcast. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon.